0: one, episode one of When Belief Dies. Uh, My name's Sam and I'm joined by Dave. Hello Dave. So yeah, welcome. Um, This is the first episode of what we thought would be kind of like a pilot for an idea of a podcast or maybe like a vlog or something like that where we basically discuss faith. We discuss big questions in life and we talk about who we are, where we come from and different things that we're uh, going through and thinking about. So kind of want to set the scene about what When Belief Dies is and kind of how this is going to work and then uh, yeah, we'll just go from there I guess. So yeah. When Belief Dies is essentially an idea that I came up with probably about a year and a half ago where I was realising that I was asking some absolutely massive questions about my faith and realising that I had lots of issues and problems with the beliefs that I held and wanted to know what happens when I realise that my belief has died. um, Can I move on to another sort of belief? Do I have no belief? Where do I stand? Am I now an agnostic? Am I an atheist? What what does it all mean? Um, So I kind of coined the phrase When Belief Dies which is going to... Uh, basically, um, is part of a blog and is part of like a social media channel now, and you know potentially a YouTube channel. Who the heck knows? Um, so yeah, that's kind of a little bit about me and where I've come from. Um, and basically, the plan is to be doing this for kind of probably twenty episodes. We're thinking, looking like at quite way. a few big subjects, so looking at stuff like the church, at heaven, hell, uh, marriage, uh, talking tongues—all like the kind of very classic Christian subjects, I'd say. Yeah, the core cool ones, quite controversial ones in lots of yeah. areas as well yeah and we're looking at hopefully interviewing people yeah we should be really exciting so yeah that's going to be an interesting one we we'll to ask basically christians why they believe what they believe um people who really believe in god and have a clear firm foundation for their understanding relationship with him and kind of go into why why they believe that because um yeah we're kind of going to go on to that but kind of that's something that i've definitely lost um, and very much i'm um, in a am in ai would call myself an ag- agnostic now uh, so, kind of, well, I, know, I know we're going to go through the journeys and how we got to these points at the moment, but uh, an agnostic, um, definitely kind of questioning everything, working out what is real, what is not real. Um, yeah, it's been a really intense, kind of hard journey. Um, yeah. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself um, or anything that I've missed? Uh, no, of course. Oh, I don't mind.
1: Um... One of the things we did want was to your really honestly question so what you mentioned there was what do people really believe? Yeah. We, this isn't an intentionally <clears throat> divisive discussion or trying to convince people of one way or the other. What it is, is is trying to get people to truly know why they think something or why they believe something and what are the foundations in that. Yes. Yeah. As you said at the interview people would love to know people who truly believe why they truly believe. Like I'd love to know why people mm-hmm. like what is it that makes them decide that this story christianity which is what two thousand years old why is that true like really true not just an idea or not just a concept it mm. is a truth of their life and so that's one of the things we really want to know is yeah people who truly believe why is it that they truly believe and yeah i'd love to know that but as you, i'm sorry yeah i'm saying because it really is
0: like it is the the bedrock upon which people build their entire life like I, i've noticed very much as things have fallen apart that it, it's been absolutely everything has been questioned and it's falling apart really it's like you're kind of trying to unstick two things that you never thought would unstick so therefore you've built everything on it and i I think it'd be really interesting at some point as well to get on um kind of people from other belief systems other faiths because they have very similar not same obviously but very similar ideologies beliefs frameworks and trying to work out kind of what is what is it about religion and faith that makes it so i guess aggressively important to someone's Complete mindset Mm. about how they should live their lives and right and wrong. Um, Yeah, currently.
1: Of course, I agree. Yeah, and it's those foundation centers, as you said, when you start questioning them, they can get knocked down. You realize that potentially so much of someone's belief isn't founded on anything but the culture they're in or the church they're in or the church culture or the denomination. or There's so many things that lead to that belief being true uh, to them. And is it true? And that's a really good question to ask. And I think, so the way I i'm coming to this is i would still say i'm a christian but i am full of doubt and i'm not sure those foundations we just talked about which are true and which are not because mm. i want to know if if you take christianity in its true sense it is absolutely life-changing if you are a follower of jesus then it should change everything yeah. and what i've seen is it really does yeah and so therefore if it's going to change everything in your entire life is going to be impacted probably negatively if you read the bible again it Jesus doesn't paint a picture of a happy life. He yeah. paints a picture of a really hard life. He does. But knowing him, which is the reward. And so if you're going to commit to that, you need to know what it is and what it means and if you actually believe it. And Jesus himself says um, in one of his parables is about the king doesn't go to war unless he knows he can win. He doesn't. Someone doesn't build a tower unless they know they have the resources to do it yeah. because they'll look like a fool. Yeah. And he's saying that to people who are trying to follow him. So Jesus, at the very beginning, he doesn't do this easy in. He has a very high bar saying, be aware of the cost. Yeah. Um, And so that's the reason I'm coming to this, is um, I would still consider myself a Christian, but there's a whole raft of doubt and what I've found over the last just a couple of months, questioning these things has made so much tumble of the way Mm. and I feel like it is falling at a surprisingly high rate. But anyway, so we're going to go on to why we are where we are now. Yes,
0: yeah. that what we're going to do? I think so, I think. And then we'll kind of come to the uh, where we work, and kind of how we're out working these things, and then probably probably wrap it up there, I think would be a good thing So mm-hmm. That's good. Should we start with you, mate? I can start, certainly. Yeah. Um, so, where I stand, where
1: I've always stood, um, is I've always questioned things all the time. Um, I've always been a very questioning person, I've always asked the why. I've never been happy with, it's because yeah. the way it is. Um, I have probably one of those annoying children who was always like, why is this, why is this, why is this? But the reason for that is that I've never wanted to just take an answer for answer's sake. Just because someone gives you an answer doesn't necessarily mean that they're right, or doesn't necessarily mean that it's true. And so I've always wanted to know for sure whether something is correct. And it's made me quite cynical and quite pedantic, but that's transferred over to Christianity. So I was taken to, a, I grew up in church, um, in a sense. By that, I mean, I was taking a to my mum. My dad wasn't a Christian, my mum was. Uh, my mum was a proper born again Christian. Uh, she got born again when she was 20. Um, she was so she was born again spirit filled Christian. So by that, she like new life, uh, dedicated to Jesus. And she's she's got a, what would seem a really profound faith. Uh, she's been through significant hardships and she's always maintained this, this rock, which is her faith. And she came to faith sort of in an instance. She said she just happened to, she wasn't brought up a Christian household of parents, had nothing to do with God. I mean, culturally she did, because she mm-hmm. grew up in 1960s England, and in the 1960s England was still Christian, in a sense. But she came to faith instantly when she was in a church one day, I don't know the whole story, and she just suddenly, in her knew it was true, which is, wow. no background, just knowing, so I don't know the ins and outs of that, and that's something to question, but she took her children to church, obviously while she was married at this point, so her husband's, my dad, wasn't a Christian, so that is an mm-hmm. interesting dynamic. And so I was taken to church when I was young, but I never liked it. It always seemed full of hypocrisy. Um, the people, the reason I hate to say hypocrisy is because the people were no different to anyone else. Um, not completely, that's a bit of a um, wash of a statement. People were different, but they still had all the faults and failures of regular people. They still did things that people who weren't Christians did. They still, the kids were still um, cliquey. They were still bullying. There was... Uh, people who were less well off and didn't have the coolest stuff were still made fun of. Right. And this made me go, well, hang on, you're meant to be the sons and daughters of significant church families mm-hmm. um, who would, you would expect, have gone to church every week and prayed with their children and read the Bible and support their children trying to disciple them in following Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yet you're no different to so, my like, friends at school. And that was always a bit weird I was like well surely you should be a bit different something yeah I wouldn't expect teenagers or young kids to be profoundly different because they're children but you'd expect yes yeah, something more there you'd expect more kindness more understanding but it was actually no different it's just kids I'm not being harsh on them because we were kids was Yeah. Between totally. like eight and 13 this was like wow yeah. I couldn't expect them to be like angels Saints. but yeah it's <clears throat> there would be an expectation that there would be something different about children going to church and they would not and um, so when mum said I didn't have to go to church anymore, I was like, hallelujah, praise <laughs> the Lord, answer to prayer. I get to stay at home and go to the pub with dad and play pool <laughs> instead of. Sounds um, good. Yeah, no, exactly. Much better. Um, and so I walked home from church um, happily. And so I, back and I didn't miss it. There was no longing in me to be back in church. Um, uh, but I still, I was brought up in, well, i met up in a Christian, He was strongly moral. Um, and so I still again we're in England so I had Christian values instilled in the integrity honesty um, not getting drunk not doing drugs like yeah. being an honest integrous person was part of culture um, so my dad raised me like that so I still had the moral value based on Christianity and ruling my life um, and it was in the uh, first year of university I prayed uh, probably a bit of a silly prayer um, <laughs> that, that was God if you're real send me an angel or something okay. so I know you're real and then, like a couple of days later, there was a guy in my room, because we had dorms, like yeah, rooms, sitting on the desk. And I, I rarely spoke to him, I knew who he was, but I didn't speak to him. It was a guy from upstairs, the floor above me. And he sent said to me, what, what are you doing about God, Dave? And it was a very strange conversation because I didn't really speak to him very much. It was after this prayer. So just in your room. Yeah, in my room, which is obviously strange if you walk in and someone is in your room. Um, so after the discussion about why you're in my room, yeah. what we talked about is... you doing here, man? <laughs> <laughs> very odd. Um, and so he he asked me that question. It hit me because of the prayer before and it was quite profound. I mean, it, it obviously, it couldn't be a complete coincidence. It's a very odd situation. Yeah. Um, and he said to me, essentially, Dave, you're a Pharisee. You live by a grievous moral code, yet you have no heart for God, which again is quite profound coming from someone who wasn't a christian no. and and um, never really spoken to before so that really sort of hit me for six and I was like oh this is maybe there's something in this because it felt like a direct answer to prayer and so from that point I was in church uh, I went and started going to church I was in church until until now I've been ever since and I mean I got heavily involved in church I' got involved in um I was ended up being a leader in, in small groups I got involved in like the productions on a big church um but then I didn't go to big church but had sort of one of England's would-be a mega church mm. um, and involved in the production there and behind the scenes, and I really enjoyed it. Like, I loved being in church. Yeah. Met great friends, met my wife, got involved, learned new skills and never would have learned. And I never would have learned to do all the production stuff, which is really fun if I hadn't been in church. So from a, like, a lifestyle point of view, it's been great. Mm. However, throughout all that, that continued question from, again, when I was young, why is it that people actually are no really different to those who are not in church? And what I've been by that is it was never any big scandalous thing that made me question these things. It was never any like a pastor having an affair or money laundering in the church or like those sort of big things. It was always the small things. like And this links back to what I said at the very beginning that like really believing. I, I started to realize that the values people held were just essentially middle class values. Mm-hmm. People would come to faith and they would stop smoking or drinking, sleeping around, etc. And those are all good things, essentially. Like excessive drinking and smoking and having sex with everything that moves, it's not a good lifestyle. Nope. But it's not implicitly a Christian thing. And people would do all these things. They'd stop those activities yeah. to be part of the community, but their actual mindsets and their focus of their life would actually still be completely on themselves. Mm. And so, some would stop all these things, but their focus would still be on the career. They want to be married. Want to have children. Want to move into a semi-detached house in the suburbs. That was still the focus. All their prayers are still that. Their mm-hmm. life was still completely self-focused. So nothing had actually changed. Yeah. And when you read the Bible, it talks about how you'll be born again, having a new heart, a new spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, is like a new life. Yeah. It will completely change everything about you. And yeah I didn't see this. I saw the Holy Spirit, but I didn't mm-hmm. see. And what I mean by that is people responding to what they thought was Holy Spirit, so yeah. shaking, screaming, tongues, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But I didn't actually see an intrinsic change in people's life. And that has made me turn the back on myself and go, oh, actually, what's my mindset? What's my goals and aims? Me and my wife moved to the suburbs mm. for the school yeah. Yeah. for our children. Yeah. <laughs> but that isn't a Christian... We didn't pray about it. We didn't go, Lord, where do you want us to move to? We went, that's a good school. We want to go there. Because is the catchment area. Yeah, buy a house here. That's literally what yeah. we did. And so it had nothing to do with Jesus. We could claim that oh we managed to get a house because of Jesus got us a house, but did we really? Or did we just move to the suburbs because it was nicer? Yeah. We have a lovely house with a lovely garden. Yeah. And it's essentially semi-detached as an end terrace. Nice. Like we have a lovely house. Like we literally have all the things that everyone's striving for. But none of that was based on praying to be led. It was purely based on our own desires. And mm-hmm. I realised that. So I hear people talking about moving house. And the discussion is, what's the nicest schools? What's the nice area? What can we get for our money in this nice area? None of it is, where's God leading me to? I, I see so few Christians praying and then moving to bad areas. Yeah. Um, and I'd expect, again, reading the Bible, that that would be commonplace. Not, I, mean, not, I don't want to be a hypocrite because I'm, this is me as well. We never did this, and it made me realise that although I say I'm a Christian, I don't think I actually believe it because my lifestyle doesn't reflect mm. what I say. Nothing. I don't. I wouldn't walk past the homeless man in the street and invite him back to my house to stay, even though I know he'll be sleeping in the cold in the winter and might die. I will not invite him back to my house because I'm more concerned about my house and my daughters rather than him. And again, the Christians call to live sacrifice like sacrifice life, lay down your life. But I don't do that. So when (laughs) I said at the beginning I still say I'm Christian, I still say I'm Christian because I want to be a Christian, but if I'm honest, I'm not I don't actually believe this because it's not actually true to my life. Mm. And that's the realisation I've had, is that there's a desire for this to be true, almost, because I don't desire all of it to be true, because if it's true, everything changes, um, but I don't actually believe it because I don't live it. Yeah. Um, and just one more thing to say on that, because I've been rambling for a, part, of, a few minutes, yeah, yeah. is <clears throat> it was in the church I've recently left, um, it was January 2017, they did a talk on money and this is like the, one of the wake-up moments there's been a few wake-up moments we can talk about throughout when we, when we talk about things this is one of the wake-up moments because I realized that the talk was awful in right. a sense of it was so badly based in the Bible it was essentially prosperity gospel um, and it's really badly done that in yeah. itself is it's almost like so what that can happen yeah. humans make mistakes like we're not perfect but it was the realisation that everyone around me, there was a lot of people, was the church goes to has about 1,500 people go on Sunday. So there was a lot of people. No one seemed to realise how bad it was. And everyone just nodded and agreed because it fit with their chosen lifestyle. It didn't fit with Jesus, but it fit with how they wanted to live. It's mm-hmm. so the idea that if you tie, you'll get money back. You'll be blessed. You'll get all the things you want. If you pray, it's based on you know, classic Malachi, like it's a hell sort of noise or stuff yeah if you do this you'll get given reward and everyone loved it and it just it was a wake-up moment so i was like hang on this isn't what jesus said and these are christians who follow jesus and everyone's like oh yeah yeah i'm not into this because it fit middle class values it didn't fit hits the culture right yeah and so that was a wake-up moment it's like oh nobody yeah, actually really believes this <laughs> um it's oh, terrifying so that's right so that's that sort of a overview of my journeys that i you yeah, know was church raised moved away from church As soon as it cooked, I hated it. Came back to church because of that experience, but all the time I've been back at church, I've always questioned the validity of it because of not significant bad things Christians do, but the lack of like honest life change in the way Christians live. And it's not the small thing; it's not the big things. It's the little things that don't change, other than these obvious thing, obvious
0: middle class values. So that's where I stand. amazing and i wanted to ask you um you've coined a phrase that you've used with me a few times uh, which is uh, it all began with a dyson and i wanted yeah. you to just give, us, give yeah. us that story that's really interesting um so
1: it's referring to my wife for ages wanted one of those wall-mounted handheld dysons you know they're, they're generally really expensive they're like 500 quid crazy wow. Um they're like crazy money and i you just imagine no like, david can we buy a 500 pound hoover I'm like no not chance because that's ridiculous <laughs> However, I essentially tell everyone, look, if you can find the money, You, can, I don't care, because that's like not household budget money, yeah. do what you want. So more, I've spent maybe two months saving, selling things, like things we didn't need. Mm-hmm. Like I had to like hold things from stopper selling them, like um, not my children, <laughs> that we would. Um, <laughs> no, like but there was possessions we didn't have anymore, so she went through all of the stuff, see what she sell on eBay, wow. see what she sell on Facebook, buy and sell. She managed to find both a Dyson on offer for half price and also she sold it to staff, so she bought this still two hundred and fifty quid for a Hoover as yeah. <sighs> If we talk about being middle class with the laptops who spent two hundred and fifty quid on a Hoover. That's yeah. crazy. People do have flaws in certain countries. Um, it's not even funny and we think it is. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. but <laughs> that is ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely crazy. Anyway, so the point is she saved up all this money and got this Hoover. And I've got to be honest, it's life changing. This Hoover is the best thing ever. It's so good. Like if I'd known how good it was, I would probably would have bought out our household budget because it changes everything. It changes the way we hoover. So before hoovering was a task, you had to go, oh, I'm doing the hoovering now. It was like an hour of, like,
0: yeah, yeah, well.
1: yeah, hoovering. Now it's like, oh, I was a bit of a mess, done. So it's like powerful Dyson on the wall, charges itself, off. It's, ergonomically it's amazing, it is incredible. I could sell this Dyson to anyone. Like, I could sit next to us, if we mean you were stranger on the bus, I could easily start a conversation and go, say, you do hoovering? You'd be like, yeah, I hate it. Well, Dyson's, mate, they're incredible. I could sell anyone as wow. well. It's, it's generally life-changing and amazing. Yeah. But that was the, again, the wake-up moment. The wake-up moment was the fact that I cared and was passionately sold out for this product mm. that was life-changing and profound in a way that I was never about Jesus. Wow. they're sitting on a bus and talking to you about a Dyson I couldn't do about Jesus because again if I'm honest with myself if I take a step back from what I say I believe I didn't have that passionate love for Jesus that I did for a Dyson yeah. and that's true for a lot of things in our lives but this was profound because it cost us it was a great sacrifice we had, we had to do a sacrifice to get it and it changed our lives when we got it yeah. and that was a moment, a wake up moment of essentially it started with that, was that realisation I was more passionate and evangelical about hoover than it was about who I profess to be my Lord and Mm Saviour. So, yeah, it was a a wake-up lightbulb moment of, wow, I I don't really believe what I say I believe.
0: really eye-opening isn't it to actually be able to be honest about the stuff that you're passionate about or the stuff that you naturally have come into um, feelings thoughts whatever and actually go this is this if I compare it to my faith that are completely different things and um, I'm more passionate about I mean I'm say the same thing I've got a brand new pair of headphones recently really nice Sennheiser Bluetooth headphones always cancelling and it is completely changed my commute to work so it's like two and a half hour walk uh, not two and a half hour walk two and a half mile walk uh, with the 20 minute train journey and um I don't even realise when I sat on the train, I was like, oh see, see how good the noise cancelling is and turned it off and I just this
1: mm-hmm.
0: Wow. Like, I'm probably actually protecting my hearing. I never realised before it was bad. But yeah, it's it's changed my community and I'm like, yeah, I've never really been this like I would I would tell anyone about these headphones, yeah. but I've never been like this about You're cases. turning it out and you put yourself selling me Yeah like, probably. If, if I went to see, really if I went to your sound oh, I'm struggling with my headphones you'd
1: be like these are, these are the, best. the best Yeah. but if someone came to you well not now because you're not sure what you believe but before yeah. when you were a like, fully fledged christian yeah. someone went to you aren't struggling with my life you'd be like all right
0: yeah great oh. uh you to pray more <laughs> yeah have you fasted <laughs> <laughs> spend 20 minutes every morning talking in tongues yeah so
1: but there's a silly story that highlights my own reason for doing this is getting people to actually sit back and go why do you believe what you believe, and do you truly believe it, or is it just something you do? Mm. Like there are people who spend thousands of pounds a year on football tickets because the thing they truly believe in is Liverpool Football Club. Yeah, and they will scrimp and they will scrape to afford to go to Liverpool. They'll go every week and they'll sing yeah. with other guys, and it's community and they have the uniform and they are die hard Liverpool fan. They'll hurt anyone. They'll fight Evertonian fans because of their beliefs. Yeah, and they truly believe in Liverpool. And so that's the question I wanted, like, do people if people listen to this when we discuss like what
0: do we truly believe, what is actually changing our life. So there we go. I think it's great. I think that's why I gave the example is that I think we can all find. I imagine think we can all find things in our life that we value more than our belief systems. Like and especially at the moment with the current political climate, like we are losing faith and trust in things that we thought would see us through, would give us, you know, retirement, whatever. Like we're losing faith in things, aren't we? Um, as a country and um, yeah I think everyone listening or watching can think of things in their lives that they probably do think are more important than actually their belief system yeah if they are themselves yeah that's, that, that's, that's the, key. The, the key thing and it's um, yeah it's stopping and actually taking stock and going what is it I'm about and going oh it's these things that are more important than this or, or whatever um, okay thank you for that that's right so I, I've sat and talked for rambled maybe for a
1: while so yeah, it's all good yeah so what why are you here and what are you doing yeah what, what's your what's your story we we're, were laughing just before like this story is very on-trend in church. Really? Like, the big churches is like, this is so-and-so's story. This is all on the websites. It's X's story and Y's story. Yeah. So it's a big, So we're going on Christian trend, we yeah. go, and this is our stories. I think, yeah, and I think the, re- the reason for that, and then I'll go
0: on to that, is the fact that if you give someone a stat, like, you know, make up a stat, like, you know, 95% of us don't drink enough water or something, that's like, oh, wow, let's drink more water. Like, that's really helpful to, to latch onto something. And it's the same with adverts, like you used to look at tier Fund or, or whatever, they've got, if you have an individual in front of something, people are more likely to respond to that one person. If you have an individual with their brother or sister, it's like a little bit less people will still respond, than a family even less than there are how many people currently starving and dying in Syria. But no one's really giving money, like, I'm not going to be moved to give money to Syria, but if I knew there was an individual who needed help I think I can actually make a difference to, that, that makes a connection. I think that's why we use stories.
1: Yeah, I agree, and we laughed about this before, didn't we? Because we were chatting one time when we we said about like, the Syria example, like yeah. there's there's people dying, and we honestly don't care. Yeah. like if we're honest with ourselves, because we said we're going to get out from this conversation and we're not going to forget. We're going to forget first. about it. Yeah. And I did. Yeah. I remembered. Yeah. i would remember yeah. forgotten. Half through the insane. afternoon. Yeah. I was like, oh yeah. It's, it's we, awful. It's absolutely awful. awful. That's again the, the point, isn't it? That Christians, if you're a Christian, you profess that everyone has intrinsic value because they're created in the image of God, and Christ came to save all. Yeah. And we believe that, yeah. yet we watch yeah. billions of people suffer. And I know, as you're saying, we're detached from it, and you can't possibly comprehend billions of people, and so there is that element of detachment, but still, we know it yeah. happens, yet we generally don't care.
0: Yeah. Anyway. really, cool. I, I think it goes back to the thing you were saying before about how we don't step out of our comfort zones into the things that we do. It's, um, this happens a lot by the way, we just go on tangents yeah. we, we walk them back I promise um, anyway, um, we, we step out of the places that we're in and we say we go to Syria and serve or we do whatever um, That you, you hear stories and it's often when you've got a management session or a coaching session or a big meeting in church or something, they'll tell you of a time when this amazing person went to this place and the amazing work they did for God and it's that kind of like we need to hear the stories of people that are actually living the lives that we're called to live to encourage us that people are doing it and we go, yeah, well, we'll give money to that project in India or that project in Syria or whatever it is because you know, they're going out and they're, doing, they're, they're living with people with leprosy or they're doing whatever. And it's this really kind of bizarre, I guess, reminder of what we're called to, that we're not living it, but we then feel comfort in knowing that someone is doing that. Yeah. But that percentage must be so small. It must be, uh, yeah.
1: Well last thing I was going to get to when we, we talk about church, that's one of the big things, is the, the shift of responsibility that the congregants will give to the leader because they're a big leader and there's that sort of two-way yeah. use of each other. Yeah. Um, so we can talk about that at the time. Anyway, um, reversing is back from our yeah, yeah. So so on trend, your story, Sam, if you imagine yourself in, uh, sitting on a chair in a wilderness landscape. Yeah, being asked
0: one-to-one questions yeah. by <laughs> Yeah, okay, <laughs> that's not weird at all. Um, yeah, so my story is a story of coming from a very um, Christian upbringing. So my grandparents were Christian. I believe that their grandparents are Christian, uh, so their parents are Christian, so it like, it's like a generational Christianity that kind of soaked into me, so my parents raised me fully, you know, Bible-based, they um, yeah, read me the Bible most evenings, I'm really, honestly really fond, still find them to be fond memories, which I'm trying to, I'm actually questioning that in my head, like is that a good thing to think is a fond memory um, of my dad reading the Bible to me and my two brothers? Uh, I remember very clearly, like, at some point him saying, you know, you need to believe in Jesus um, as your saviour. Talking about hell and heaven and kind of fearing hell but desiring Mm -hmm. heaven and that kind of, like, interesting kind of decision point and then praying with him to accept Christ into my life and then basically going to church and believing that if Jesus, as you mentioned, Jesus really wanted to keep everything up for him. And then that kind of slipped away as I went to um, high school, really. Um, I went to a very, very non-Christian high school, so a very working class. Uh, from like the Castleford area in, in England, which is um, kind of known for its mining, uh, known for, yeah, when all that collapsed, it hit poverty, it's doing a lot better now. But yeah, went to a very, very working class school, which I absolutely loved because um, I'm from a very middle class background. I took adjustment, but I found that people there were far more honest about the circumstances and the lives that they live in. And um, because of that, I got attached to them and ended up kind of getting involved with the sort of things they were doing. So I'd actually started smoking before I went to high school with just some friends I was hanging out with and who stole their, their middle-class parents' cigarettes and then by the time I went to high school from like year 7 onwards it was like everyone had cigarettes we just smoked all the time um, yeah and just basically eventually got into drinking and then got into drugs and then got into sleeping around and just lived very much a um, what can I get from this evening what can I get from now a very normal teenage life very right? normal teenage life yeah how can I fully enjoy this moment rather than trying to who, who, who cares about tomorrow tomorrow I might not come um, let's live it for now. And um, I found that really enjoyable, by being honest with you. I had some really good, honest, big conversations with a few people because I still believe that God was real. Um, how can we have worth or value if there isn't a God? Like, How can I see there's any point or meaning there's not a God? And we'll come onto those things uh, at a later date. But um, because I believe those things are fundamentally linked to a belief in the Christian God, I would have these big conversations like, sat there, absolutely smashed, smoking a joint, going, hey, why do you think God's real? I don't think God's real. Like look at the stars. I mean, I'm amazed that that
1: hasn't been a Christian thing. Like if you want to get people to talk about their meaning, just give yeah. them weed. Yeah. Like, it changes everything. It's, a group it's of awful. people smoking weed together, they'll talk about anything.
0: I, I remember going to a mate's house and basically we just, this is really bad, it's a bit on the line, but anyway, we basically bombed out the front room. And then as that kind of wore off, uh, we ate some uh, space cakes, so cakes with weed in them basically. And um, for the next two days, I was just lying on a couch talking about God. And it was one of the most spiritual experiences I've ever had. And none of these people are Christian, but we all talked on a very deep, honest, open level about what we actually believed and why we believed it. And it's just, it's something that you just don't do in society, you just don't have the ability to drop our defenses and go, this is what I think. Um, anyway, so I uh, ended up kind of basically coming out of that lifestyle when I met my now wife, um, who also wasn't a believer. Um, but I kind of uh, met her and realised that there was more to live for than just me. So I decided to try and get myself back on track with my belief, my actual beliefs in if God is real I need to follow him. So let's try and follow him and do what I need to do and have that relationship with To so start started reading my Bible and praying and seeking God as best as I knew how from being taught from church and my parents. And um, basically got to point where she really helped me to kind of come off smoking, to drink far less, to come off the drugs, to even stop sleeping around, Like she was an absolutely amazing um, girlfriend for when I was an absolute douche to start with like um, she helped me become yeah a loving man I think honestly without her I don't know where I'd be and um, yeah I then kind of have this really awkward dilemma where there's this amazingly beautiful woman who is trying to help me get my life back on track but does not believe in God and just um, talking to my dad and, and other friends and stuff and it's very clear that a lot of conservative Christians would say that you cannot marry someone who's not a Christian yeah. uh, Paul's let us talk about this a little bit as well, and um, when he's talking to different churches that he's writing to, but um, I basically said to Kirsty, like, hey look, we cannot get married unless you're a Christian. I, I love you, I wanna get married to you, but we're gonna to have to break up if this doesn't happen. So I almost like forced my wife into this like awkward, no, now wife into this awkward situation where she decided to become a Christian. Now she might very well have become a Christian for believing what it is, but looking back on it retrospectively, I can't help but think there was absolute intense pressure where she basically started going out with me, lost most of her friends, because I was a douche, um, helped me get through, and then she had me going,
1: I'm gonna leave you unless you become a Christian. Oh, that's mm-hmm. awful when I think about it. It's, just, it's like very long game evangelism, isn't it? Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> it's just terrible, I take all these <laughs> things away, all these things away, you get me back on track, thanks, yeah, I'm getting, 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 and cutting it off, oh, okay, cool, Let, yeah, let's keep going. I was like, so eventually she became a Christian, which I, was delighted with it at the time, but now it fills me with horror and dread that I, as I said, she might very well, and she does, she'd say now she's a Christian still, and she knows I'm struggling with this, but um, then she might very well have said that she just did it because of me. She might also say she did it because of God. I'm not going to fill those things in for her, but yeah, looking back on it, I can see how it could be construed as I made her become a Christian, basically. Or at least say the words, or say the prayer. You know, like The prayer, prayer. Yeah. yeah, the biblical prayer that we're Yeah. A really Christian prayer. Anyway. Um, it's somewhere in there. It's somewhere right. in the Bible. <laughs> we'll find it one day. <laughs> it's in Revelation 79 verse 2. Um, <laughs> and then I saw. Um, yeah. And yeah, basically, um, I met her and then we began to work out what we should be doing in our life. And I really had this idea of calling, which I know we'll talk about later as well, um, where I believe that if I, if I was a Christian and if I believe that God is real, that he has a mission or purpose for me on this earth, um, which the Bible kind of alludes to quite a lot as well. My, my kind of coined phrase was um, teaching God's people His word. Uh, his words, sorry, teaching God's people His word. And so I ended up going to Bible college. Uh, so I got a degree in biblical studies and theology, um, went to quite a kind of Pentecostal Bible college in the north of England, and basically got really heavily involved with um, teaching, pastoring, discipleship and stuff. Uh, left that, got, got married to my now wife, and then um, basically went to a very Christian church um, in yeah in North England, and basically, go on, do you want to say A very Christian church, As in, like, it was a very middle-class, conservative, like, you know the classic Christian cliches? Like, you either have these two spectrums of, like, you can imagine, like, a really gospel-focused, like, happy, clappy, Jesus, real church, or a very, like, white, almost Anglican, but with a Pentecostal element these days, yeah. church. And they seem to be the church that are doing well. So I want to say a very Christian church. Thing like it just fit into the, the classic 21st century definition of what a, an English church would be. So sort of
1: 40 um, something year old pastor, yeah, husband and wife. Yeah, the husband wears shirt tucked into jeans with a big belt, yeah. big buckle, yeah. Um, maybe shoes or maybe Converse, depending on yeah how. Well, it was talking to the youth or talking to the yeah Converse. shoes, yeah, yeah. yeah. and it, well, how how many buttons he's got it depends on what age demographic. Generally speaking, yeah, 40 something white leaders, husband yeah. the wife together, yeah, um, that sort of built physical Bible yeah. on, the, on the pulpit, um, yeah, good, Sing, good PowerPoint, very slick, good, yeah, and also sings a combination of Hillsong and Bethel, yeah, with the occasional sprinkling of maybe
0: 1970s classics like Presenter yeah. in the Highest, yeah, because yeah. that really helps to get the congregation to a point of worship, yeah, um, in the Highest, anyway, massive tangent again. Um, we'll, we'll come back to church and we'll come back to worship and pastoring, it's very interesting. Um, basically, um, I started losing my faith in 2017, so I... Magic 2017. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's just that the year, everything went <laughs> up the wall. Um, and that all kind of basically started from, I got a slip disc in my lower back, um, which I'm still recovering from, and it's been a long journey. And I kind of <clears throat> realised that I wasn't hitting what I thought God wants me to do. Like, I was not teaching God's people his word. I was in a big church. Where well, I could do some teaching, but it wasn't. I wasn't ever allowed to go up to the front and preach at that church. I was not never allowed to do, you know, lead a small group, whatever, even though they knew that I was qualified or able to. And I really believed it. Like it wasn't like I was like, "Oh no, Sam just knows stuff. He doesn't." But actually, believe it. Like, I really believed it was real, and um, got my slip disc. And I was like, "What the heck am I doing with my life?" Like I don't know where I am. And I read a book um, called *Sapiens*, uh, which is a really interesting kind of like almost human narrative of like how we came into existence where we came from where we are today uh, looking at all different revolutions that we've had over time and kind of yeah how we move from a nomadic tribal based society into a massive kind of western and worldwide culture that we have today of societies and communism democracy all that sort of stuff so it's a really interesting book and i'm not saying everything he says there is correct at all but what it helped me realize was that we are placed and we just think, yeah, I have value, I have worth, I'm gonna get a job, I'm gonna get married, I'm gonna have a house, all these things that you were speaking of. But what that did is that book made me realize that there is a much bigger picture that we don't ever really talk about. Like, I knew evolution was real. Like, I, I, I think that from all the evidence that there is, from all the things that I can see, like I'm never gonna be able to actually physically see it happening. But from the evidences that I see presented forwards, is the best option that we have available to us, in my opinion. So we're
1: just clarifying, you do not believe in 7,000-year-old earth? No. <laughs> no, I do not. Oh, okay, good.
0: Um, I have been shouted at for that before, saying that okay. I don't believe in that. I've had people walk out of my house... Mm. Uh, I've had friends stop talking to me when I said evolution is true. That's amazing. Anyway, I mean, we don't even do it in America this happening? Yeah. Anyway, sorry, tangent. It's <laughs> insane. Uh, anyway, we can talk about that later. But basically, this book really helped me realise that there is a much bigger pitch that I fit into. And actually what it did make me realise is that back problems are very, very, very common because of how we've evolved, which is scary, if I am to be honest with you. Basically, there's a um yeah, there's there's an evolutionary explanation to why we get a lot of things that we get. Um, Richard Dawkins even makes an evolutionary argument for cancer, why do we get cancer which is really interesting and um, we can talk about that later as well, um, I can't remember this off my head but I on know yeah, yes on the list maybe we'll talk about this tangent one day um, that, that started off all these doubts and all these questions and um, as I went through this journey I began asking more questions, reading more books listening to podcasts, YouTube videos uh, because I doubted in God's reality if evolution's real in my head it meant that God used meaningless purposelessness horror and death to bring about a species who can't literally prove he's real anyway and that was like flip that changes that's game changer in in my mind that's like it it's done so i was like okay i need to get into apologetics i need to read way more stuff to uh apologetics those don't know is the is the the defense of something so christian apologetics is the defense of the christian worldview or viewpoints you can have Uh, atheist apologetics muslim apologetics it's not just a christian thing but I was heavily involved in Christian apologetics, and so listening to some great podcasts, reading some great books—I still think are great—because uh, I needed to remind myself of why I believe what I believed, um, and it just meant that if I, if my faith was a woollen jumper, the thread started going; it didn't, it didn't start getting put back on. So yeah basically over the next few years i got more involved with church because at the same time apologetics of course serving harder is going to help me know that god's real and start moving my family So i've got two young boys uh, to a, a town uh, kind of about 45 minutes away from where we went to church originally to a, to a church plant and um moved there about a year and a half ago and sin- and got very heavily involved with the church so i was on the leadership team of the church i was getting ready to become an elder at that church uh, it was me and the pastor uh, or the lead elder, whatever you want to call him, uh, were very, very close. And we still are very close. But we're very good friends. But um, were the, the two guys that were going to see this church become, not from a, go from a church plant to a full, fully fledged church with regular giving, worship, set, set way of doing things. And um, basically, as it all unraveled and it, I'm still on the process of kind of moving out from this church and actually going, firstly, I don't actually believe that I can teach anymore. So... Uh, for me, it's the concept of, of serve or lie. I know with you, it's all began, it all began with the Dyson. With me, it's serve or lie. Do I go to church and lie? So, do I get up and tell people that it's real, encourage them in their worship, remind them of why, they're, why they should be at church? Like all the things that a leader would do within a church, which I now class as the lying, I can still do it. I'm pretty sure that I could get up and preach to people and possibly see salvation because I know the words, I know how to say things, I know when to get the musicians back up, I know when to create an atmosphere that will draw people in at the right moment. Like It's all stuff that is, you, you can learn with or without Christianity, it's not fundamental to a belief system. Um, or do I just serve, so at the moment I'm more like the setup team or the AV team or the litter picking team. Um, where I am now though is I'm like, well if I really don't believe that God is real and Christianity is correct, am I serving something, an organisation Um, or a charity, which is another interesting one, churches are charities these days because they're tax-free, get more money. Um, Am I serving something that is a lie in a community and is giving false hope? Um, So I'm in a really weird situation now where I uh, am not a Christian, and that feels very strange to say. Say really in the last six months that I've been able to say I'm not a Christian. I am an agnostic. I don't want to call myself an atheist because I I don't know enough. I don't know, not that you need to know anything to have a belief system, but... I just don't know. I'm questioning everything, and that is the—that's an, an agnostic framework—is the the uncertainty of yeah. um, what you believe and why you believe it. And um, yeah, everything's changing, and um, that's kind of kind of my story. I think this is a nice place to kind of. Uh, like, we will always have a, a general subject that we've been talking about on these things, but uh, tangents are a big thing. Um, you talk a lot of time about getting lost in the forest of questions, yeah. Um, how it's yeah, yeah. stumbling, tripping into the depths, yeah, yeah. stuck yeah. in the roots of the forest <laughs> of questions, <It's> never, to, <laughs> never to be removed. Um, yeah, and I think that's that's really good so is to ask questions and to go, What are the answers? And a lot of the time, we don't know, yeah, we don't know what the answers are,
1: and which is why well, said at the beginning, this isn't us trying to be like, This is the truth. And therefore, well, we're coming from slightly different viewpoints. But yeah, um, you saying you should definitely not believe in Jesus because it's 100% definitely not real. Yeah. Your ideas, and I'm not coming from going. Everyone has to believe in Jesus and this. It's more actually an open place to go. What, well, why, why yeah. do you believe? What do you believe? Actual question things. And um, what you said before is the opportunity for we'd love people to question, yeah. sending questions, yeah. to talk about, discuss. Yeah. That would be great, wouldn't it? Email it, etc. Yeah. Um. And that'd be wonderful because we can include that in future things. Because we're next time we're talking about the church, aren't we? Yeah. Because both of us, that is our grounding. Yeah. And we alluded to it there. Is is our grounding Christ or was our grounding Christ or is it church? Yeah. And it's big. And for Christianity, is the grounding church or is it Jesus? Um. Or both or whatnot. So okay. going into what church is, what should it be according to the Bible, what it
0: has become, yeah, what it involves, what it means, all those sort of things is next time, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And um, yeah, on, on the questioning side of stuff, I um, encourage you guys to check out the website, um, whenbeliefdies.com. Um, on there, you'll find links to social media, to YouTube, and there'll be like a contact page, like however you want to ask your questions, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever. There's a link there for you guys. Um, so yeah, to get in, because we want to know your stories. We want people to know this is good, this is working. Um, and yeah, it's going to be a really exciting journey, I think. Um, we aren't experts and we're not going to be able to give answers. Uh, yeah, we, we read books and we ask questions, we listen to podcasts and then we move forwards in our life. Like, life is a natural progression where we're locked in time. And uh, yeah, I think it's really important to ask questions as you move and see where you end up. Yeah. And, and the hope
1: for this, the hope for this for me is that it affirms the truth in the beliefs that I currently have in Jesus. In Jesus, yeah. And the fear. Of it for me is yeah. that it will destroy all the foundations of my life, <laughs> <laughs> everything <laughs> that I believe in. Yeah, yeah. That's right. yeah. But because no, of that thing, I, I want to know why why I believe what I yeah. believe, and yeah. this is
0: a source of that is yeah why I believe. So yeah, that's my hope in this. It's yeah, good. And hey, uh, when belief dies is a blog. Um, first and foremost, um, I started a kind of a blog a couple of uh, well about a year ago. Where I've been writing a blog post every week, so it's a few months behind the kind of where we are now, but. Um, Check it out, it comes out every Saturday at 7am. Uh, so yeah, that's again whenbeliefdies.com. Um, and Dave's not got a Twitter account, so I'm trying to convince him to make one. No, I am um, obviously with the social media's is from the devil, we know that from church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 unless it's really cool photos and cool phrases like, I mean, that, that's not from
1: the devil. No, right? obviously, like, like everything like, else, like countryside used. background with uh, Jeremiah. Yes, yeah, and you
0: know, prosper. Yeah. That's fine. Hey, there's, there's, there's a great app at the moment actually called Bible Lens, which is from New version where you can take a picture of something. So I could literally take a picture of this camera, which I'm going to do now, and I'm going to then put this onto Bible Lens, and it's going to produce the quote that matches the image that it sees. Wow, it's amazing. So anything could be a picture of your children, your wife, like so anything, your place of work, is and it all, Attribute a Bible for like, is it literally pulling scripture out of context and just shocking you? It is literally pulling it out of context. It's mad. It's incredible. Yeah. I love church. That's what we're talking about next week. Yeah. It's my favourite subject. (laughs) It's going to be a long one. Right. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, We'll catch you guys next week. And uh, yeah, thank you for stopping by and checking out When Believe Dies.